0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We are doing this series where we go through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, beginning to end. And I've got good news for a lot of you. After today's message, we're going to take a break from the series, which means you have not one, not two, but three weeks to catch up on your readings. Just in case somebody slipped. But also, hey, if you've joined us here uh, during this last few months, and this is a great opportunity. Again, grab the Story Bible, jump in with us. Again, three weeks. We're not even halfway through. We're just barely a third of the way through uh, the book. So plenty of time to catch up. We'll jump back in in January and, uh, with the next chapter. One thing, though, if you have been following along with us, uh, one thing I hope you've noticed is that in the scriptures, God gives us two very different perspectives of what's going on in the world. Uh, sometimes we talk about like the lower story and the upper story. You know, the lower story is where we live. It's This is our perspective. Standing here on planet Earth in 2022, this is what looks like going on and this is what's happening in my life. But the upper story is what God is writing. And he is weaving all of our individual lower stories together into this one grand story of his that he is is authoring and he is controlling. And there's really not much, there's nothing we can do in the lower story to mess up his ultimate plan for humankind, for history, for the earth, for the world. Let's go back, uh, quick recap. In the first big movement of God's story, it was the garden. Remember the garden? See, God had this vision for us, for the universe, for the world, animals, everybody to live in peace and harmony and in communion with God. God came down and he did life with us in that garden until the first people, Adam and Eve, sinned. which separates us from God. This connects us from that wonderful communion that we had with our Creator. Now, the rest of the story, all of it, is about God's plan to get us back, to rescue us. Now, in the second movement of the big story, God creates a nation, a brand new nation. God made an unconditional promise to Abraham, the father of this nation. He said that the Messiah, the Savior, is going to come through your family. God's plan, and on God's timeline. But in the lower story, we finally get to David. If David, his lineage is going to be where the Messiah comes, it makes sense that his son will sit on his throne. And which son will it be? We find out today it's Solomon. Now Solomon is now king of Israel, and very young uh, age, a young king uh, in his tenure He has to make a big decision. The Lord appears to Solomon during the night in a dream and he asks for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Wow. What would you ask for? God came to you and said you can have anything you want. Just ask for it. No, Pastor Jeremy, you can't wish for more wishes. That's against the rules. Everybody knows that. You can't wish for more wishes. That's not how it works. No, Solomon, he asks for wisdom. He says, oh, Lord, you know all, I am not worthy, I'm not prepared, I'm not smart enough, I'm not able to lead your people, to serve you as king. And he earnestly prays to the Lord and asks him for wisdom, to be a good king. God says, well done, I will give you wisdom. You will be the wisest, known as the wisest person ever. And on top of that, I'll add on to you honor and wealth and all those other things that everybody else would want to ask for, given that opportunity, and you didn't. But I'm going to bless you with those things too because God wants total success, holistic success in our lives. And it begins with wisdom. Now, wisdom. In the Greek, which is the language of the New Testament, uh, the word for wisdom is Sophia. Uh, in Hebrew, though, that's the language of the Old Testament we're reading today, and the word for wisdom in Hebrew is chokom. Try that, chokom. You, you can try to say that. Chokom. you got to get a in there. See, we, we, we name our daughters Sophia, but rarely do we name them chokom, but Uh, Maybe some of you will be the first. You could be the first in our generation. Uh, Wisdom, though. So what, though, what is Solomon asking for? What is godly wisdom? I got it for you. You ready? Godly wisdom is the skill. Pause there. It's more than just knowing something, knowing how to do something. It's actually doing it. That's wisdom. I can know, I can read a book, I can watch a YouTube video and learn how to do some woodworking. But until I sit down with a lathe or a wood and a chisel and actually start doing it, applying it, that's wisdom. So it's a skill. Wisdom is a skill. Consistently, this is so important, consistently. It is the accumulation of wise decisions throughout your life. It's like compounding interest. You know, a, a life lived, every decision, every day you have hundreds of decisions, but multiply those decisions, make wise decisions over and over again, and you will, by the end of your life, have bear tremendous fruit, be tremendously blessed, that holistic success, all right? Uh, it's common sense that we learn through either our own life experiences, or I think better yet, <laughs> from trusted mentors. People that we know and trust, or people maybe that we listen to or read about. This topic of mentors has come up a a few times uh, in our staff meeting, your sermon Wednesday night. I just wondered, if I asked you right now, who are the trusted mentors in your life, what would your answer be? Very key to gaining godly wisdom. All right. All right. It's a skill, consistently applied. Common sense, we learn it from our life experience, from our mentors, and it is filtered through the word and will of God. This goes above and beyond we, the world would consider uh, common sense. It's more than that. It's not simply common sense, but it is filtered through God's will and God's word. In the New Testament, uh, Paul, Paul who came to faith uh, later in life, he's actually very opposed to Christianity, and then uh, God turned his heart dramatically, and he spent the rest of his life uh, risking his life uh, to proclaim Jesus Christ, uh, the one born on Christmas Day, is indeed God and is indeed our Savior. Uh, He talks about wisdom in this way, comparing the two. It says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. We declare God's wisdom. So a wise person, a person looking for godly wisdom, will tether themselves to the word of God we're reading the story, right? even just a little bit of time every day in God's Word will bless you exponentially, like right? compound interest over worldly wisdom. Okay, and that leads us to the last point. Right? It's a, a skill, consistently applied, a little common sense, we learn it. Always filtered through the Word and will of God. Here it is, leading to optimal success in life. Now, who would like a little success in their life? Yeah, for sure. Now just remember, God's success is holistic success. It's not just financial or business success. But God's success, is, he also wants us to be successful in, in marriage and family. Success in love and peace of mind and peace of heart. Success in contentment, success in joy, a joy that overflows, that is inexplicable to the people around us. It goes way beyond what common sense would say, you would rejoice over. But this is the this is the result of living and following, putting into practice godly wisdom. There's a catch. And God told Solomon the catch, too. Solomon, as long as you walk in my ways, you'll have all of these blessings. And Solomon did the first half of his reign, but then he started to wander off. Now, one of the things he did was that he married uh, 700 wives, and he had 300 concubines. Now... Help me with the math, but I think that's like 999 too many, right? Now, from an earthly perspective, though, common sense, worldly wisdom, you might say, hey, that's kind of smart, because every time he built an alliance with another nation, he married the king's niece of another land, or the warlord's uh, sister of another tribe, right? He's building these alliances, and hey, you can really ask for some great favors, But the problem came when all of these women came in, they worshiped other gods, and they eventually convinced Solomon to build temples in Israel to all of these other gods and allow them to worship all of these other gods. And God warned Solomon specifically, don't do this. And he had the commandments written a thousand years before. The first one, you shall have no other gods. So it might seem wise in the world's eyes It is not godly wisdom. This is detrimental to Solomon. And you're going to find out uh, next, well, next week, actually next month, uh, month, right? Next chapter. uh, This is what leads to the division, the complete breakup of the kingdom of Israel. So we want to walk in that wisdom. We want to stay tethered to God's word. And this is a wisdom that you have to ask for. Okay, this doesn't happen by accident. Solomon was, uh, again, in awe of the responsibility that God had handed to him. This calling to be the king over his people. And he asked the Lord for wisdom. And you know what? You've got the same invitation today. From the New Testament. From James, who was a a younger half-brother of Jesus. James, who... When Jesus started his ministry, James thought Jesus was crazy. He thought he was a lunatic. I, I grew up with this kid. What, what is wrong with you going around teaching people, acting like you're from God? Now, I do ask this sometimes, what, How many of you have siblings? you have siblings? What would it take for, to convince you that your sibling was the Son of God? Right? Well. James, by the end of his life, is convinced that his half-brother, Jesus, was literally the Son of God. I wonder what happened that convinced him of that. What could possibly convince you? Well, what if Jesus died on the cross and was buried in a tomb, and then three days later you saw him alive and well again? Okay, I'm good with that. That's enough convincing for me. So James, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, this godly wisdom, you should ask God. Just ask God who gives generously. Ask God for this wisdom. As we get to the end of this year, how would you like to start off the new year on the right foot? Asking God for wisdom to make those decisions Daily, those small decisions every day. And of course, the big decisions of life that come along throughout the year from time to time. Again, it's why we are so, so involved in God's word here as we read through it together as a a family of faith here at at Desert Foothills. I encourage everybody to jump in and join us because this is the source of godly wisdom. Now Solomon was... A king, I mean, he had a big vocation, he had a calling that God had given to him, and he desperately knew he needed wisdom. What I'm trying to, I hope I can convince you to, today, is that the, God, the call that God has placed on your life is just as important to God's grand story plan for Everybody. what he has equipped you with, the people he's brought into your life. God wants you to do specific things in the big picture that's going to contribute to the big picture of God's plan for the world. And it is crucial that we proceed with godly wisdom. And you will have success, holistic success in everything that you do. Amen? Yeah, amen.